After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. gentlemen welcome to another episode of beyond the blade episode 88 we're getting up there i am your co-host chad didamenesis i'm your other co-host bill shockey and chad uh we're gonna change things up a little bit today yeah so here's the deal what we're gonna do uh if my voice is a little raspy, I apologize. I'm still recovering from this cold that's plagued me all weekend, which is why this pushed back this podcast, so I apologize for that. But I'm here gritting through it uh, yeah. to, to get this podcast out. But since I don't trust my voice to go a full hour, uh, what we're going to do is we're gonna have a little bit of fun in a way because both of us kind of in a position right now. I mean, this team is 2-2-1 two, two, and one in a five-game, seven-game homestand uh, that is critical to their season. It's not going great, and you kind of probably could have predicted that to be honest but nonetheless that's kind of what's happening here so we're gonna wait until uh this stretch is over uh they have the islanders tomorrow or tonight when listening to this and then the rangers on friday and that wraps up their homestand uh before they go on a i think it's like a three-game road trip anyways we're gonna wait till after that homestand to kind of give our i guess our outlook our firm opinions on the sabers going forward here because you know, we got Pittsburgh winning tonight. You're going to drop down four points again. Uh, you know, it, it's it's getting real tough at this point. And, you know, this seven-game homestand going the wrong way is not helping that. So, I don't know. I, I'm pushing off the days of looking at draft Twitter, but that day might be coming approachingly quick here. But uh, So, instead, we're going to talk about some trade ideas, Bill. We're going to have some fun. You know, the deadline is two weeks from today. Um, and we're going to have a little fun talking about some trade ideas because... You know, we won't go, probably won't go for an hour on that, but nonetheless, it'll be some fun, a little mix-up here to get you out of the pace of the doldrum Sabres. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> not that the Sabres haven't given you uh, quite a bit to talk about in the last couple of days, huh? Uh, the, the team yeah, itself definitely. feels like they're falling apart, so, uh, but we'll get to that in the weekend. Yeah, I, th- I think we 
<clears throat> we even, uh, when you weren't feeling so well, I put out on Twitter that if anyone had any questions to shoot them over, and the questions we did get were trade-related. Uh, so we figured we'd kind of take a step back and kind of look at the trades this this, uh, this podcast, and I guess we'll, uh, you want me to kick it off? Yeah, so I, I, I think kind of, you know, when you look on Twitter, social media, anywhere, uh, if you have a discussion about <laughs> trades, what the Sabres should do going forward here at this deadline, and maybe even in the offseason, and one of the questions we got were on first-round picks. And I think that's kind of where every conversation with the trade stuff starts here. So mm-hmm. I know you kind of have a whole thing that you put together in the first-round picks, and I'm kind of curious to you to play that out because I have my opinion on these first-round picks too. So I'm kind of curious to hear kind of what you put together. So I'll hand you the mic here and let my throat mm-hmm. rest while you go for a few minutes here, but uh, I'm kind of interested to hear what you got. Yeah, no, this was fun. So we, uh, Michael Sevier on Twitter, asked us, what if the Sabres made those three picks in 2015? So he's not talking about the Eichel pick. He's talking about the three traded away. He said, can this team afford to trade away those picks again for short-term players? How many of those players' teams uh, choose to leave after the season? Anyone from Rochester brought up. And because of that question, it kind of went further. Uh, some people piggybacked off that and said, we traded those three picks for Kane Leonard and O'Reilly. The O'Reilly one was a second, but it was 31st. So, I mean, pretty much a first, late first. And <clears throat> Little Root, who did a little bit of work, said, you know, those picks could have been Besser, Bolivier, and Sebastian Ajo. So, I mean, would they have probably been all three of those players? No. But I think the, the important lesson is, one, um, kind of give you two cliches. The first one is obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, But two, I think the important lesson here is that you need to learn from the past. And with that being said, I'm going to actually do a 360 to probably what most of you think I'm about to say. And that's going to be, I think the Sabres should absolutely trade at least two of those picks. And here is how I got there. So if you go back, let's go all the way back to uh, February 11th, 2015. That is when the 2014-2015 Buffalo Sabres, who were racing to the bottom to try and get one of two, Mike David or Eichel, just traded Brendan Lemieux, Armia, Stafford, Myers, a first-round pick for Kasdorf, Bogosian, and Evander Kane. So that starts off your large trades, I guess you can say, with the first-round picks, which eventually then you get to draft time. And on draft day, you get a first-round pick for Leonard and Leguan. Or the other way around, Leonard and Leguan for a first-round pick. Yes, right. And then shortly after that, O'Reilly and McGinn traded from Colorado, and you gave up Zadorov, Gregorenko, Comfer, and that early second-round pick pretty much late first. So with that being said, the 2014-2015 Buffalo Sabres, I think this is where you have to actually take the look. Uh, Chad, you want to guess who the top player point-wise was for that team? 2014-15 team, right? So that was... Yep, so this is before so that's, that's those tank trades year. happened. Tank year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't... Gergen. I mean, I, I think... Someone in that top line. So it's Gergensen, Molson, and Ennis, I think, with the top guy. So it's one of those three, because that's the one that scored. Those are actually three of your top four. Okay. <laughs> Tyler Ennis was your leading point getter with 46 points. We <laughs> had Matt Molson with 41 Gergensen's with 30, and you have Brian Gianta in the middle there with 35. 
So keeping that in mind, those were your top four forwards that you uh, are bringing those big pieces in. So you already have Ryan Yahart. He didn't really play 2014, 2015. Uh, he only played nine games. You're bringing in Eichel, O'Reilly, and Kane, but you're bringing them into a team that has Ennis Molson, Gianta, and Gergensen as your top forwards. And then if you even want to take a step back and look at the defense, your top D are Rasmus Ristolainen, not so bad, right? Nikita Zadorov, Andrei Mazaros, Myers, Benoit, Weber, Bogosian. Bogosian only played 21 games. So I think the problem is, I think a lot of people like to look back at the Tim Murray year and say it was a huge mistake to make those trades, where I would offer up that it wasn't a huge mistake to make those trades. He just made them at the wrong time. So in 2014-2015, you only had Reinhardt. You were still a rebuilding team, and he tried to fast-track a rebuild on a team that was terrible. So with that being said, <clears throat> he probably should have kept those picks made them, and then two to three years later, you would have had a much better team than you obviously had, you know, the two to three years after that. Now, look fast-forwarding to today. Guess who we have on the team right now? Jack Eichel. Matt Jeff Skinner. <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong, right? Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Eichel Skinner, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, Rasmus Dahlin, you got Evan Rodriguez, you got Casey Middlestad. Uh, Tage Thompson, if you want it. So Larry Pilot. Um, so kind of what I'm getting at here is this team is much, much different from that 2014-2015 team. So I would say this is actually the exact time that you need to go make those trades that happened in 2014-2015. Go get it, O'Reilly. Go get a, a Kane. Go get your center. Go get your winger. Probably go get a defenseman too. But this team is way more suited to bring in three big-name players, or at least three, um, I don't know, what do you want to call them, NHL-ready or right, you know, right. young young stars. Media help. That are, yeah, pretty much guys that are ready to come in right now and help your team. Because you're not bringing them into a team that just raced to the bottom, that you're basically trading off goalies because you're, they're winning too much. You have a team that is much better than that team, and they're basically a few pieces away from being in the playoffs. I would argue that if you probably had those pieces right now, you'd probably be in the playoffs. So I'm afraid, and what I say is, I don't want Bottrell to look back on the Tim Murray years at his predecessor and say, look at what Murray did. He made a mistake by trading away all of those first-round picks, and because of that, the team was bad. The problem was the team that he brought those traded picks to wasn't good enough to be able to support the three players he was bringing in. Now, I mean, he shouldn't have traded a first for a goalie. Uh, but right. it, it, if let's just say for, for argument's sake, he brought in a defenseman there. This team today is a lot more suited and a lot more ready to have three guys that are ready to go to be brought in to basically go and make that playoff push. They're... You're, I mean, the team you have right now is just, they're ready to go, as opposed to that team in 14-15. So I would say, instead of learning from the past and saying, let's not make the mistake he did, I think you should be looking back and saying, he just made it at the wrong time. Now is actually the right time to go make those moves, to trade your first-round picks, to go get players that are ready to help now, um, because you have your young all-star pieces ready to go. 
I mean, just look at Ryan, what Reinhardt's doing this year. You know what Eichel is. I assume they still should are going to sign Jeff Skinner. Um, and then now you have, on top of Rasmus Ristolainen, you have Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, if you can go find a, you know, top defenseman that'll take some of the minutes away from Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, I think you're ready to go. And I think you're going to, that that, that is what is going to make you uh, a little shy to say this with how the season has gone, but um, a perennial playoff team. They're ready. I mean, yes, you have some dead weight you need to get rid of and you can, you need to fix the bottom six. But I think if you use those first round picks, don't wait because then you're two, three years away from seeing those players. Trade them for players now because then in the next year or two, you can go find guys to try and shore up that bottom six and try and make moves uh, to get that dead weight off. And like you said, it's the 2020 plan. You're two years away from that. So you need to go find your guys now, find what works. And then by 2020, you should know who your main core pieces are and you should be a team that is just playing with those other pieces uh, to make you a perennial playoff team. And I, I think, you know, honestly, I think you, thought, you hit it right in the head in kind of the same spot that I'm in. It's, you know, it, like you said, we live in a different world now than we did a few years ago. It's so different. Your your players you want to go in with are here, as you listed them. Eichel, Reinhardt, Darlene, Middlestat. I mean, that's just, I mean, Allmark. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's your Larry Pilot, if he's any part of it. That's just, that's just a few guys. And don't forget about Skinner, too. You know, Skinner's here, probably for the long term. Hopefully, probably. But, I mean, it's, I mean, that's, and the thing that gets tough a lot of people to kind of forget about is your, you know, that 2020 plan, and you're in a window where this season, you know, you're already basically burning two years of Casey Middlestad's contract. Now, the benefit is, is this year he's having a down year, and he burned a year last year, so if he doesn't go bananas next season, that might help you in negotiations to keep his next contract down. But you're going to burn a year off of Dalian's contract, and that's going to get him one year closer to being... Uh, getting his second contract, which is going to be ginormous because he's a really good player. And that also, a lot of people, I think, forget is Sam Reinhardt's on a two-year contract. <laughs> You're cutting off a year of Reinhardt's contract. So he's probably going to get at least 70 points this season. If he scores 70 points again next season... You're looking at a guy you got to pay around seven and a half, eight million dollars. <coughs> I mean, long term deal was looking pretty good. Yeah, now, huh? I'm not going to get into the whole Reinhardt should have given a long term deal, but this is why we talked about it because you, Reinhardt, bet on himself. He's going to win and he's going to want to get paid. Now you could trade Reinhardt to alleviate that, but I think we're seeing right now the impact of having that player on your roster. So I'm not going to on that wormhole, but the point I'm trying to make is nobody here. I don't think anybody who's suggesting to trade first-round picks is suggesting that you move those picks for a rental player. I'm not saying to trade a first-round pick for, I, I don't know, Matt Duchesne, let him walk in, in the summer. That's not at all what I'm saying. If you're going to trade I I don't think it's what you're saying either. If you're going to trade a first-round pick, then you're doing it to get a player that's going to help you now and in the future. A player right. whose age fits uh, with the team that's already built. You know, a player between the age of maybe 24 to 27-ish, let's say. You know, 27 being on the high end. But still, it's still pretty young for a player. And, you know, I, I don't think you should be afraid of that. I mean, I mean you're, you're going to tell me that, yeah, we should keep those picks. Well, I'll tell you what. Right now, the Sabres pick's going to be the highest pick. And you're probably going to be around 14. The, I, I, the way I'm looking at it right now, the Blues are going to make the playoffs. 
and then you're you're what you're probably around low twenties maybe. Which honestly, <clears throat> not to cut you off, but if we're talking about this scenario, it's almost a blessing in disguise now that the Blues are going to make the playoffs because then you have the three first round picks this year to go get either a really good player and another like good player or three good players to have you ready for next year to just go. Like, there's going to be no reason that you don't come out of the gate flying next year if you go move those first-round picks to go get players to help you. And it, honestly, it's kind of what's making me a little nervous now that Bottrell still hasn't done literally anything. Um, the, the more and more we go along here and, and teams around us are even starting to make moves, Montreal did the other day, or today, right? Um, yep. So as you kind of see those starting to happen, it makes me nervous that he's maybe going to get gun-shy or he's going to wait for the perfect trade that might not come. Uh, and then if you're kind of at the draft with three first-round picks, I think it's going to be a lot harder to move them as opposed to if you move one now, move one later. Yeah, it's just I really think that you gotta you got to move them to get pieces now uh, from teams that are they're selling off good players or, or maybe a good player that you can get off of a team that doesn't want to be there anymore. Because it's just, it's like you said at the beginning of this, it's, it's a totally different world. And I, I think people just get stuck with the overall thing of, you know, Murray moved those picks and it wasn't the right move, so don't do it again. Uh, when, in fact, it's, it's kind of the opposite. You're, you're in a, you're a totally different team right now. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, those, like I was saying, those first-round picks, I mean, you're going to have one at 14-ish. You're going to have probably one in the low 20s, one in the high 20s. If you look at that, Shucker's uh, draft value chart that Sean Tierney tweeted out probably a couple weeks ago. I mean, really, you're getting basically your your two picks are going to be in that one, two, three, in that fourth tier. Where at that point, you're I don't know your best case scenario, and based on the research I did, you're twenty five, thirty percent of the time you're going to hit on a player. Sure, you can find David Pasternak there. You can find uh, you know Bolivier in there. You can find Inajo in there, and but most of the time you're not and then if you do if you do get that player you're waiting four years three years four years how does that help you i mean am i am i building a team here to i'm gonna go start competing for my stanley cup in or being a real dominant team in four years and then i gotta wait for those kids who are just trying to hit the nhl start to develop and you know what i mean like it gets into a right they hit too Right, and, and, and it gets into a, a whole thing here. And I mean, I understand if you're going to have big contracts like Skinner and you're going to pay Reinhardt and Eichel and Darlene, you know, you're in middle stat. I mean, you're going to need, you know, a, an ebb and flow of entry-level contract guys to fill in your roster and to be contributors. But I think that, not that doesn't, but that, that's the beauty of having the three first-round picks this year. That doesn't mean you don't have a first-round pick next year. Right. That's the one you got to hit on. Yes, Exactly. And if let's say you trade one of them, then you still have two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, and, and you have a, you still have one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you know, I mean, you, you can trade other players to get more picks, and it's not just hitting on your first round picks. I mean, that that's kind of the obvious. But if you look at a team like Tampa Bay, you get to hit on your second and your third and your fourth round picks too. Sometimes, not every time, but you got to like like Bottle's done. You got to get Nascari Laxton out of there. Mm-hmm. You gotta get, or you gotta go find pilot, right? You gotta in the sweetest sleep. Exactly. So you have to be able to do those things, and I, I think that ability to do that alleviates the pressure of being afraid to get rid of those first round picks. And 
you know, I, I just think if he goes to draft day and uses all three of those picks, I think is an extremely, extremely big opportunity that he's in a waste. I, I, think, I think that's a gift to help your team. Now, if you had two this year and two next year, let me like understand where you're like, all right, I'm just gonna you know make my picks, and then I'll take my two, and maybe I'll trade the one next year. But I, I just don't understand. I mean, it, it's almost like I don't use the word greedy, but kind of in a way, like like you like use the value properly, you know, and make a move that you know this team forever has always been the team that yeah, look at all these draft picks we got. We're gonna keep building, keep building, keep building. Well, when can we stop building? When are we going to start I'll, winning I'll and trying nice. to be a hockey team, right? I mean, all the people, like, like I'll trade a first-round pick by the 25th if that helps me get a player. Again, not a rental, but I get a player in here for now, in the future, that helps me push the team into the playoffs. I don't care if they make the playoffs and get swept by Tampa Bay. I don't care. I have playoff experience for 18-year-old Darlene. I have experience for Eichel's never had it. Reinhardt's never had it. Jeff Skinner's never been in the playoffs before. Like... Any, anybody in that team really doesn't have any playoff experience besides like Pominville and Oposo and a few guys. So it's, you know, it, it's it's a big deal. And, you know, look back. I always point to Toronto, you know, a couple of years ago when they snuck in. Uh, Tampa Bay's gone through this process. Nashville, Winnipeg. The NHL being a competitive team is a process. You The way it usually works is a three-year process. You get in, you get knocked out in the first round. And then the second time you get in, maybe you win a round or two. And then the third year, you're a contender. You're a contender in your conference, and you're a contender to win the Stanley Cup. Winnipeg, Toronto, Nashville have all done that. And, you know, Tampa Bay is looks like a machine right now. I don't know if anybody beats them in seven games. But, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, it's time. I, I don't need to keep building. I understand those holes in this roster. You need a left winger. You need a right winger. You need a center. You need a defenseman. But... Just making more draft picks and building and building and building. Just at some point, the building's got to stop, and you've got to start trying to go again. You know, and I wrote about this recently. Is you can't be afraid of the past. Don't let mistakes of the past scare you. And you, I think, put it out perfectly. This is a much different situation now than what we were in a few years ago under Murray. This team is completely different. Your players you want to win with are here, and your core is here. Your core for the future is here now. So you start building around this team and you start trying to go and be competitive and trying to win. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about it, it makes me, <laughs> now that we've kind of like gone over it, it makes me nervous thinking about how, you know, Botch was the development guy. You don't have a second round pick. Um, next year, you don't have a third. In two years, you have two seconds, though. Uh, I, I just, I hope that we're not, like you said, we're just continuously waiting to keep building, uh, yeah, we'll hit on these draft picks. Maybe one of them will play next year. Probably not, though. In two years, maybe two of them will play. I just, like you said, the, the, the pieces are here now. I really think that, and it, it, <laughs> it kind of makes me even more frustrated that when the ship was sinking, that you didn't use one of them to go try and solve the sinking ship. Plug that hole. You know, I mean, part of it, too, if you think about it, I mean, Forget the first round pick. I I, I mean I, I don't want to. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes who just blew past you. They traded their third or fourth line center to go yeah. get Nino Niederreiter. You you couldn't do something to go do that. You didn't. They didn't trade a first round pick. They traded somebody off their roster who right. for some got awful reason Minnesota wanted. I don't know. Try to find somebody in your team that Minnesota wanted and make that trade. 
nobody wanted a, a Bolu or like pre uh, agent coming out saying he wanted to be moved or yeah, you know. I just I I don't see how you like you said right. You couldn't move somebody to go go get something to help this team now, and instead now we're sitting here mid February, about to be four points out of a playoff spot. Um, you haven't won two games in a row since like December thirteenth, and before you won that two regulation games in a row since October. I mean that's insane. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> so like, I, I, that kind of gets to the point where <clears throat> then you don't want to spend a lot to help this team, but the, you're here now. We always talk about the 10-game winning streak. That 10-game winning streak bought you the opportunity to be here. But just because you got that benefit, it doesn't mean that you just throw it away because we're really not that good anyways. Well, I understand not that good, but try to make a move and see if you can get in and get some experience and get your head kicked in by Tampa Bay. And That's the thing. I hate to break it to you, but the NHL, you don't have to be that good. You have to just be better than half the teams. Half the teams, I was going to say, half the teams make the playoffs. I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. You shouldn't miss the playoffs yeah. for seven or eight years now we're going on. Like, you know? I don't know. That's, again, that's getting down a wormhole, but it's... Right. You know, and, and the one thing I want to say about this draft, too, and from the little I've looked into it and I've read and I've talked to people about, this is a really good draft in the top 15. In that 13, 12 to 15 range, it takes a pretty good dip after that. So while you have pick 14 or 13, maybe you can get a nice center there, and that's cool. But... At 21, 22, 27, 28, where that San Jose pick's going to be. I mean, again, there's a possibility you can get a player, but the way this draft looks right now, outside of the top 15, there's going to be a considerable dip. And really, a lot of people are saying from 20 to like, you know, the mid 40s, you're, you're, you're pretty much the same kind of thing there. So it's, you know, it's, I, I just think that kind of goes into this too. You have to know kind of the draft that you're in. And, and that, the funny thing, like thinking about it, the way that the season has gone now, you Marshall could easily before the trade deadline, between now and the deadline, make a move where he does move one of the first round picks for a player. And <laughs> the funny thing is, it'll be the right move. He should be congratulated, obviously depending on the trade, depending on the player. But because he didn't do it a month ago, people will be furious if that does happen. No, and I, I think that that's a really good point, you know, because... So it's like, the position he even has himself in now is, I don't know, the optics are not going to be great. I still think, obviously, he should do it. Um, I I mean, going to the offseason with three, I mean, maybe maybe the value is better there. Maybe you can get better players then after, yeah. you know, a full season is gone, but he's in quite the situation. He's in quite the situation. Yeah, but, I, I mean, mean, and you can't you even make on... first round pick. Go ahead. How is this team better next year? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it means so, so, sign Skinner. You make say you make those three first round picks. I don't know what UFAs you're getting that are all of a sudden going to make this team, you know, a heck of a lot better than they are this year. Yeah, I mean, you're like I said, this team in the offseason needs to find a center, a top nine center. They need to find a top four right defenseman. They need to find a honestly, they need to find a right winger and a left winger. So that's four holes you got to find in the summer whether that's a free agency or a trade. And that's a lot to ask in one summer. And not to mention they have, I think, like 15 restricted free agents they have to go through. So, like, <laughs> it, it's a busy, busy yeah. summer. And I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I feel like it makes sense to do one of those things now, if you can. I mean, I, I understand that a lot of those players that we are going to talk about here usually don't get moved at the deadline. 
Sometimes they do. Not all the time. So I, I understand that part of it. But also, like, you know, we've seen some players move, like I mentioned, Niederreiter. So there are some players that are available that could have moved at this point. So at, while I say I understand there might not be a trade there, at the same time, I, I think there still was an opportunity to this point. There's always got to be something, even though they never tell you. No, and, and you know, that's, I guess that's kind of where I'll leave. We talked about 30 minutes setting up <laughs> here, so <laughs> I think we should kind of get in some players now because they're really, like, looking through this list. You know, I went to the TSN trade bait list, so there's there are some players on there. So, you know, I, I'm not going to, while I would love Mark Stone, uh, I don't think that's a realistic possibility. I, Matthew Shane, same thing. So I'm not going to kind of get guys near the top. But I wrote down about 10 guys here. I ranked them. So these are my top 10 guys I would chase in order if it was up to me. Chris Kreider, Brandon Montour, Jonathan Huberto, Josh Manson, Jack Roslovic. That's one of the guys, by the way, Winnipeg pick with your first round pick. Charlie Coyle, uh, Andre Burakovsky, Kevin Hayes, Brett Pesci, Michael Ferland. Now the guys at the bottom, um, the last three I, I think are long shots, so I kind of put them down there, but they're on the list on the list, so I included them. Any of those guys... Jump off the page at you that you're interested in. Anybody I didn't mention in your mind that you think they should maybe be interested in? Uh, I mean, I know you got the Kreider wave of information coming our way. Uh, but oh, I do yeah. like that one. But I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that one for you for a little bit. Um, I mean, I've always loved Huberto. He's, he's your you know, playmaker's playmaker. I, I just wonder how much you're actually going to have to give up to give him because it's going to be a lot. Um, I also saw Florida... Or is it Columbus is floating him around because of the Panarin thing? Yeah, because they want Panarin, Panarin and Bobrovsky. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so that makes sense that his name is now being floating out there trying to make you know Columbus nervous if that's the guy that they do want. I mean, I, I think I think more overall, just looking at this, uh, I know you've even talked about Kevin Hayes before too. I mean, what I'm seeing is you know, center, Bobrovsky, winger. Try to find a right D and... <laughs> Let's go. Like, we can still make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you go off on Kreider for now. And then I'll circle back to a couple guys. Like, Pareko <laughs> would be nice. Pareko would be happen. would be pretty nice, but I don't think St. Louis is moving anybody right now. No, Even Braden Shen would be nice, too. Honestly, it's nicer just that they're going to make the playoffs, hopefully. Yeah, right. We can have that first this year. All right. So I popped my second cough drop of the episode here, so I'm ready to go through these numbers. So if I hack and cough through this, just bear with me here. So, Chris Kreider. I'm going to confess my unprofound love for Chris Kreider here. <laughs> Before I get into the numbers, this is the guy who's 6'3". I think he's like 200 pounds. I didn't get the weight. Back of his height. He's fast. He's big. He goes to the net. He can kill penalties. He's a pretty decent defensive player. And he's a really good offensive player. So... Check, 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 and check. He's a left winger. He'll be 28 years old in April. He has one year left on his contract. 1.46 million, or I'm sorry, 4.1 million dollars, I believe. Six three. Six three. Okay, thank you. Let me give you these numbers that are pretty impressive because I don't think a lot of people know this. How good of a player he exactly is. It's starting to come out now, and I'm trying to get upset by it by how many people are realizing how good he is because maybe the Rangers won't trade him then, but hopefully they still will. So, Kreider, right now. In the entire league, he's fourth and wins above replacement. In the entire league, he's first and even trained the goals above replacement. And he is 
seventh among even strength goals above replacement among forwards over the last two years. He, for his 82 games for his career, he has 24 goals of 50, 50 points per 82 games over his career. He's on pace for 36 goals this season. Now, he helps, like I said, in all facets of the game. He's going to add size. He's going to add speed. He's going to give you a legitimate second line left winger. I don't understand how everything here and even those numbers and just everything, the production, the size, the speed, just like I keep saying it, the power play, the penalty kill, he can help you everywhere on your roster. How this player doesn't scream perfect addition for this roster. And if he costs a first round pick, fine. Fine. What 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 is the what do the Rangers want? Can I convince them that Russell Linen's good? Can I send them Gooley? Can I send them McCabe for the first round pick? Do they want Nylander? I mean at this point, the Rangers literally I can just say that I would say to them, Jack Eichel, Darlene, Middlestat, Skinner, maybe Pilot, but I don't even think I would go pilot. But those players I mentioned off the table, anybody else, tell me what you want, and let's make a deal. Because I, I just think it's a perfect fit here. And if somebody else trades for him, if somebody else for him I'm going to be really upset. I, I, I might <laughs> cry. I'm not even kidding. I might cry man's ears. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably, I mean, the speed is what gets me. He's, he's always been one of the fastest skaters. I'm actually surprised to see he doesn't have any shorthanded points. He must not play as much penalty kills as I thought he did. I know he does. I'll, I'll look right now. But yeah, I mean, it's. I know he has some injury history too, because uh, I think two years ago, I think I traded him for Rask straight up, and then a week later he got hurt for almost the rest of the season. Yeah, he had, this, uh, he had some scary. It was like a spleen thing or something. He had something weird. I thought that was kind of yeah, scary. Was, I forgot what it was. It was definitely, yeah, it was definitely. I can't. I can't remember what it was, but I definitely remember feeling bad after making the trade. Um, because it, yeah, it was it was well, it was something freak. Um, I think, and he was out for. I mean, he only played fifty eight games two years ago, but I I do think overall in general, like what are the Sabers missing? It's, I, I mean, like you said, he checks all the boxes: uh, size, speed, skill. I mean, man, if you can get him on the penalty kill too, and and tell him to just go, <laughs> that would be pretty fantastic too. Because you see other teams doing it, and Winnipeg did it to the other night. Um, if you can get a guy like Kreider up there on the point, any kind of block shot, he's gone. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I, I think if you can somehow a first and something, hopefully uh, maybe just like a prospect, um, I think this is the exact deal that you are looking for for your first three first-round picks. Uh, so, a guy a guy in a piece, or I'm sorry, one of the first-round picks in a piece to go get a guy like this 27, he has term left still, so you have a whole year to work out a contract. Um, and also you have half a, not half a season, but a, a quarter of the season, plus you could go halfway through next year um, trying to see what the fit is for the team before deciding if you want to you know, extend or not. So on your penalty kill thing, he's only played five minutes this season, the penalty kill, so not many, power, not many penalty kill minutes this time of the year. Or this that season, doesn't I mean... mean you couldn't do it, though. Exactly. He can replace Vladimir Saboka there, right? He can. <laughs> Anybody can replace Vladimir Saboka there. That's a good point. That's true. <laughs> That's a very good point. But yeah, I, I think this this trade that you're bringing up um, is the exact trade that you should be looking for if you're Jason Bottrell. Yeah, I mean, and I would, you know, 
Jonathan Hubert, like you mentioned, his name came up today. I, I think he's a good player you can go after. Uh, you know, Charlie Coyle's name has always been out there, but I think with Koivu tearing his ACL, I kind of would be surprised they traded a center, even though they're kind of falling off the cliff here. Uh, Burakovsky, you know, he's that speed, skill, left winger uh, you can add to your roster. If you're going to play him on offensive minutes, I think he would fit, maybe on a second line. He's an face, so you can control right. him. Exactly. Uh, Kevin Hayes is interesting. You know, he's a guy I've always... I've kind of talked about since the beginning of the year, but again, he's probably going to be pricey, but he's a UFA too, so he's probably a rental unless you convince him to sign. I was going to say, I think that those are the kind that you are conditional based on him signing. Right, right. And But Montour and Manson are two guys, you know, I mean, Anaheim's falling off a cliff. You think the Sabres are playing bad? The Ducks have been playing worse, which is insanity. Uh, I mean, they have their GM as a coach right now, so we can figure out which players he needs to trade off this that team. So... I don't know. I, I think those are two guys. Those are two guys we talked about a couple of years ago. You know, when Murray was still here, we, we were always uh-huh. watching Ducks games. So, you know, I think those are two guys you can go after. Maybe that's an off-season thing. Maybe it's not. So, there's you know, there's players. You know, there, there's there's guys with term. There's guys who can help you now, and you still control going forward. So it's you know, as we kind of talked about here in the beginning, well, it may be difficult to get these guys this time of the year. I feel like there are guys there for the right move to be made. Just you got to make that right move and you got to go do it. Now, if you're going to ask me to be realis- realistic about this, do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. No. I, I, if you're going to ask me, I think Bullyu goes and maybe somebody trades for Pominville and that's it. Like, I, I don't. I don't, I don't know what else you can do. I mean, maybe I don't you even necessarily know that Pominville want to go. Yeah, and maybe you spice it up with, hey, we're going to sign Jeff Skinner and release it's close, and that's kind of how you get by it. But realistically, I, I just in in a real world scenario, I don't think this, I don't think any of this happens. I think it's a quiet deadline, and he takes his three picks into the off season. Uh, I'm not going to love it. It might not go over well. You don't have a coach here who won't even play your AHL players you call up to help out. Uh, that's not a good look either. So that's the other thing I want to bring up. I I, I know, and we talked about this, and, and it's another dream world scenario because Bottrell is that development guy, and I think if anything else, you might <clears throat> see this team continue on the path that they have, and you might see guys like Smith and maybe Thompson as the season goes on go down, uh, so they can get with the AHL team. But I would. It sucks. It's tough. But I, I really would think that if, if you were serious about moving those first-round picks, you're at the time now where you, in my head, would be bringing up guys to... you got to know what you have. You can't... Another mistake, I guess you can say, that Murray did is Bailey and Baptiste never kind of saw extended time up here, so you never really knew what you had in that with them. So they stuck around for four or five years until a new GM came in and basically got rid of them. Um, Shout out to Bailey real quick. He played for the Flyers. I was about to say, Bailey, right? Bailey got called up. He's playing, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's great for him. But I, I think it's you You need to know what you have and what you think can actually fit on this roster so you can know the pieces you need to go get moving forward. Because uh, like you said, the hardest part is the core, and that's here. Um, so now it's just finding the best value and filling in the rest of those pieces to make this team a very good team. Um, and I think giving guys like even Olofsson a chance uh, to bring them up here and, and just see what you have to make sure that 
he will be able to fill in kind of a third line role with a power play specialist. Um, and when I say that, I don't say that in the Matt Molson bury him on the fourth line power play specialist role. <laughs> right, you need to right. know that he will be able to play five on five uh, and not kill you. Um, those are the things that I think if if you're really going to just let this season go, um, you need to at least find value in seeing what you have on this roster now within this organization now so that you know, Jason Bottrell, your biggest offseason this, is this season. I mean, <laughs> we're exactly where we were two years ago before we knew Murray and, and Bilesma were going to get fired. We were saying Bilesma probably goes. Summer Murray Tim Murray. probably gets one more offseason. Yep, the summer <laughs> Tim Murray to figure it out and make this team a contending team. And if they're off to a bad start, he probably goes too. Now, obviously, we never got to see the trademark summer of Tim Murray. Um, but, I mean, here it is again. It's about, We are two months away from the summer of Jason Bottrell. Um, and this, I would argue, is maybe even a bigger one. Because now you have your young guys. Michael's already on his big contract. Darlene and Middlestead are coming up. Reinhardt is coming up as well. You need to make this offseason count. Um, because it's going to shape probably the next four years. Yeah. I know it's the plan of 2020, but I mean, this is it. This is it right here. You have three first round picks this year, potentially if the, if the blues do end up making it. Um, so I think those first th- uh, three first round picks are going to be kind of the linchpin to your, to your next couple seasons. Yeah. I mean, even the thing to remember too, even if the blues miss, if they're not in the bottom 10, they still have to give the Sabres a pick regardless. Let's have in the lottery. But mm-hmm. so that that's even if they miss, you know, they still have to hand it over. They're not in the bottom ten, which I think at this point you can I don't want to say safely say, but you could pretty much assume they're not going to be that low. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we cut out here? My voice kind of run away from me, but anything else you want to yeah. touch on before we cut out? Uh no. I mean, I think that's it. I, I know. I mean, I guess if you want to touch quickly on the the craziness, um, I think Reinhardt was talking out of frustration. And probably didn't necessarily mean to say what he said, even though he kind of said it again. Even <laughs> what I meant to say was, "I hate the goalies." <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was interesting. But I, I, I think the important thing was kind of what Eichel said last night, and that's the time for more moral victories are over. Yeah, that was good to hear. Yeah. Yep. Go, go use your first round picks. Go get players to help you now because the time for moral victories is over. He is right. Um, it's time to start winning games. It's time to stop letting teams that you should be passing pass you. Um, it's time to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it was uncharacteristic, I guess you could say, is I think kind of what caught everybody. You know, hearing Reiner doesn't say a lot in the media, uh-huh. kind of spit that quote out. Uh, and I mean, if to be honest, I don't think he was wrong, right? I mean, I think he just picked the wrong game to I, say. I, that I, maybe, there. maybe. Maybe he did, but yeah, yeah. other not maybe one or maybe at least one, maybe two goals from all my career. Like, eh, like I don't know. I mean, I how many? I mean, can get one of those? Right, I mean, McElhaney, although he gave up five goals, didn't he make a few saves for his team at the other end to kind of keep them in it? So, like, I get it. And even like that I mean, D zone coverage though is just so oh, bad. That, that D zone coverage it's is bad. So there was a lot bad. of tap ins, but. I don't know if it's the second or the third goal where I thought he kind of came back in the net slowly and then he kind of trickled through his legs, like like a Hutton goal somewhere in the early in the year. Mm-hmm. Like, like that one, maybe he's one you want back. Um, I mean, no, I, I think probably the four games before that, no question. Yeah. We were asking for more from goalies. Yeah. 
I mean, so, he had uh, that, that wraparound on Spurgeon in Minnesota, and he had another one against Detroit, that, that wraparound yeah. that always seems to get him. Yeah, um, what is that? Is he just not getting across? Is he expecting D help on the other end? I, I, the, I didn't see the Spurgeon one because I was there, so I didn't get a replay, but the um, the Larkin one, he overplayed it. I mean, his bat yeah, was in the yeah. middle of the post. I mean, he he way overplayed that, and Larkin's super fast, but he beats the other post easy, so... Yeah, you got to know who's coming down. Yeah, exactly. And there was no need to overplay that because you had Bogosian was right there. He wasn't nope. getting to the middle on you, so yeah. I don't know. But that's just all Mark Celeste. He's a young goaltender. He's going to have those things still. But, you know, the Housley comment was interesting. Um, that was super weird. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I really buy his backtrack. Well, I thought they were asking about the age. So, like, listening back to the question, like, no, I don't yeah, know how you would have got that one. But, okay, fine, sure. It's pretty immediate. That's Jason's job. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, waiting to hammer that one in there. <laughs> so that was, that was an interesting one, so. Always, always a good thing when you throw your boss under the bus. Yeah, the, one of the only supporters you have less in this town, too, by the way. That might not be the best <laughs> of ideas for you. Um, it didn't, I don't know, it, it'll be, <laughs> if this continues to fall off the rails here, it's going to get really interesting. Um, I don't think I've it's ever seen be pretty. Eichel as mad as he was after that Carolina game, and he was sitting there despondent and full of equipment, answering, like, Two two word answers after the game, so I, I don't know. It's like I said, it's not going to be pretty. Uh, I I just I don't know. I don't. We're going to talk about it after this homestand ends, but this didn't go the way they wanted it to so far. Uh, it didn't go the way we wanted it to. Um, it, it's looking more and more like the possibility that you're going to just fall way out of this thing. I mean, yeah, Carolina, I think five one one. Yeah. In Carolina, I think we'll stay in this thing, and that'll be it. You know, maybe the Flyers can somehow get themselves back in, but I doubt it. And no, I think it's Columbus or Carolina <laughs> for the last spot. Yeah, I, I agree, and especially if Columbus is going to move Panarin or Bobrovsky, you know, right. I could I could see them falling out. So we'll see. But for the Sabers, not looking good. Um, you know, we'll see how these next two games go. Islanders are not going to be an easy test. Um, the Rangers, you know, with Lundqvist in goal, is never going to be easy. Although they have their backup. Make like fifty-five saves against the Leafs yesterday. Do you see that? It was insane. Mm-hmm. That was so. <laughs> so you never know if you get one of those nights. And knowing that Sabres are probably Woods. I mean, that's just the way that rolls for them this season. So, yeah. So we'll get back together on the Sabres uh, the, on the weekend here after this home stand wraps up. Uh, so to get our spiel at the end, make sure you follow us on Twitter at BTB Hockey. Uh, interact with us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, continue to send questions if you have them. Um, we'll get them on the next show that's coming up. So if you have a random question that pops in your head, send it to us. We'll write it down, and we'll bring it up on the next show. So feel free to do that. Um, rate, share, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Google Play, uh, Spreaker. I, I lose track now. iHeartRadio, Spotify. Like, we're, anyone listening to a podcast, we're probably going to be there. So any ratings, uh, sharing, subscribing, you can do. Greatly helps us. We'd appreciate it. And also make sure to dive the blade. Check that out for the excellent Sabres content, and where you'll find our podcast as well. So, and that's it, Bill. Talk about some trade stuff. Ranted about first-round picks. We'll see what happens now. Keeping an eye on it, yeah, because it's... I'm full board with getting rid of those picks now. It just... looking back, Finally taking a step back and looking at what that team was then and what the team is now, it's... I really think it's a mistake if you hold on to all three. I'm with so you. I'm gonna be angry if we do. I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. So we'll be we'll be rocking the boat together. That's for sure. So, 
for Chad and Bill. We are out of here this week. Well, early this week. We'll talk later this week. So thanks for listening and thanks for uh, bearing through my voice here. I, I actually made it through. I'm surprised. So we'll talk soon and uh, hopefully get a, hopefully get a couple of victories. But you never know. Not looking so good. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.